Driving, listening, nodding, smiling, net phoning and mobiling, dialing up Australia. But Arnhem Land was pretty good. Um, they'd had a fair bit of wet and did a revisit there after about 10 years being away and that was all humming along. And, of course, we were there just prior to the big Garma Festival, so the road going up to Nullumboy was nicely graded for the big traffic that was coming up after we just left. The highlight there, Macca, was stopping a little uh, community Beswick on the Central Arnhem Highway, which has a lovely little art centre in there, and coming on a fully-fledged barista coffee machine in the middle of nowhere <laughs> with, with a lovely young Aboriginal girl making a perfect coffee. Oh, there you I go. talked to the coordinator and said, oh, how long have you had this? Said, oh, four or five years, she said, and uh, we got taught, and the girls got taught by a Melbourne barista, so the coffee's just like the coffee lanes in Melbourne. The beaches in Arnhem Land, Macca, beautiful as always, but absolutely full of flotsam and jetsam floating in from Indonesia, tons and tons of debris. After the Gama Festival just finished, they usually get a lot of people up there to volunteer to do a clean-up, and they pull about four or five tons of stuff off those beaches. They're tuning in Australia on Sunday morning. Yeah, Macker in the morning turns my week around. He picks me up when I feel down. Wait all week for Macker on a Sunday morning. The Somerset sea snakes are in the pool. Banambra's icy. Dalveen's cool. It's snowing where it's never snowed before. The kitchen's spotless in Cundabung. And if your mother hasn't rung, she's probably listening to Macca on a Sunday morning. She waits all week for Macca on a Sunday morning. Good on her. I tell you what, cool in Tangambalanga this morning, kids, and cool in lots of places. Good morning, Allgate and Beamsbrook Station, which is up in the Gulf Country. And good morning to you, our number 1300 700 Lots of emails, lots of things this morning, a little bit about the stars, maybe a bit about Ned Kelly if I can find it, and maybe about engineering and the bunyanut and uh, yourself. Um, hello again, says Lou. Lou, man. From sunny Hogtown, Toronto in Ontario, Canada. Thanks for the informative COVID dynamic update from Dr. Sylvester Mooney in Dublin. If you missed it, I'll replay it again in a minute. Like Ireland, Canada is coping with the COVID Delta variant, which seems to be more prevalent in the UK at the moment, probably spread through air travel. Dear, oh dear. We had our last snow event around three weeks ago. Our gardeners are happy at the risk of frost. Um, has passed. Our our peonies are just finished blooming, and the first rhubarb has been harvested. This is a, <laughs> this is a news report from Canada. We should put this in the all over news, Cal. The rhubarb, first rhubarb, has been harvested in Ontario. Our summer season resumes this weekend with much-needed city-run swimming pools reopening, with heaters employed to take the chill from Lake Ontario pool water. Wow, so they fill it with the water from Lake Ontario, Kel, which would be uh, challenging. Uh, I've got a, I bumped into Kieran during the week and he swims every day. Um, wow. With the um, warming temperatures and greater daylight, says Lou, Lou Man, um, the snapping turtles take sunbathing seriously and search for partners. Twice recently I spotted snapping turtles love wrestling in a nearby pond on the East Don River Trail. We don't have crocodiles except in zoos, so snapping turtles with their long claws look like round-shaped mini crocodiles as they wrestle in the pond. Often the female turtle lays 20 or more eggs, which she hides from man and predator, 
several kilometres away. Our turtles hibernate in the mud, under ice, in the winter. Well, maybe that's what's happened to my Pacific blue eyes, Kel, because I can't find them. I think they've all carked it. But maybe, like the snapping turtles, they hibernate in the mud and water under the ice in the winter in my pond. There's no ice on the pond, but they could be. Hopefully your weather in Australia uh, this winter is kind and mild. No, it ain't. It ain't. Depends where you are. All the best to our Australian friends. Keep up the good work. Pace yourself, everybody. Pace yourself. That's a really hard lesson to learn, isn't it? That's, uh, all the best from Lou Manning. Lou, you're a little champ. That's lovely. That's lovely. Get that little turtle record for me when you get a minute, Kel. Um, the the uh, CD. Uh, Vietnam Veterans Day says Phil Dressing. How are you this morning? They're locked down in Sydney, much of Sydney, Greater Sydney. They're locked down. And the variant is out and about, and it's very contagious, twice as contagious, apparently, at least. But Phil says, uh, Vietnam Veterans Day is traditionally commemorated on the 11th of August each year. This will be the last commemoration to be convened at the Shrine of Remembrance. That's in Melbourne, I'd say. In the light of the current status of veteran men's health or mental health issues, and that Phillip Island is nationally regarded as the spiritual home of the Vietnam veteran, we'd like to extend... An invitation to you, Maca, to deliver your broadcast from our museum on the 22nd of August. Um, says Phil, if this date doesn't suit, perhaps Sunday the 14th of November could be an alternative. That's Remembrance Day, no, on the 11th, nearest to Remembrance Day, Sunday the 14th. Our museum is a public company registered with the Australian Charities and Not-for-Profits Commission. We receive no recurrent funding from any tier of government. Look forward to hearing from you, says Phil Dressing, the General Manager of the um, museum. Phil, look, at just August could be a bridge too far. You never know what's happening. That's what I always say about this COVID thing, about whatever you say. Compare that when it first started and there was supposed to be, you know, 50, 100,000 deaths in Australia. That was what it was going to... It changes all the time. First of all, it was going to stay on hard surfaces for up to two weeks and things. And then it was... People found out that it's an airborne... was It's... You know, that's what you've got to be aware of. That's why everyone's wearing masks and keeping their distance. So, and the news changes every, look, every other day I say all the time. You never know what's around the corner, Phil. I'd love to come. I'd love to come down there, but um, we'll just see what happens. And finally, from Rob Fitzgerald. Um, Great to hear as usual. One of the benefits of the pandemic is no overseas travel. It means we can explore some of the nearby sites we just spent a weekend in the heavily vineyarded McLaren Vale. Got to see, feel, feel and hear the warmth of the locals at the local mar- market, in the coffee shops, businesses and pubs and touristy things. We also had a well-earned breather walking along the old railway line to Wollonga. Regret- regrettably pulled up in a more enlightened era, says Rob Fitzgerald. There you go. And the, and the, and the thing that I've noticed, Kel, the thing that I've noticed is people struggling along the streets with barrels, this is in Sydney, barrels of toilet paper. As soon as, as soon as, any, the to, I bet, I bet the, the shelves are denuded, I bet they are, because I've seen five people, I counted them, struggling with, under both arms, toilet paper. That's a whole deal. Look, our number's 1300 700 uh, G'day, this is Macca. G'day, mate, how are you? Good, thanks. On the way to the Grafton races today, Macca. Uh, what's your name? 
My name's Will, and I'm travelling with my brother, Scott. There you go. I saw they were on the Grafton races. Where are you travelling from, uh, Will? Mate, we're heading down from Wynnum on the bay side of Brisbane. We filled out all the correct forms, so we're allowed to go and have a few beers and watch our friend's horse. There you go. So I, I thought you might be taking a horse down, but you're just going down for the... Um... For the fun the of it. Hospitality, yeah. The hospitality. The hospitality, Macca. Grafton's always not. I've been to the Grafton. I went to Grafton Cup one year because um, I was up. We were up there at Grafton, and it was it was great fun. Big crowd. Get a big crowd there, and uh, yeah, they'll be good. It's a great little carnival. You get a good crowd at most of the days, and it's uh, you know it's good prize money for a country race meet as well, Macca. Yeah, I bet it is. So, Wills, what's your story? What do you do? Mate, I'm a school teacher, so I'm on holiday, so I'm rejoicing for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, and you can get across the border and you can get back because you're not going anywhere near Sydney. Is that right? That's right, yeah. yeah. I, I rang me rang mate in Grafton, who we stay with. He said they've never heard of COVID, so that was a good sign. <laughs> That's funny. You go to a country town and, and somebody will say, to you, oh, we've never had any cases here. Um, no. But um, this uh, present uh, version is pretty um, pretty contagious, apparently, so they're just trying to get, stop it getting out any further, I suppose. Yep, and if everyone follows the rules, mate, everything should be fine. Yeah, exactly, and and uh, if you can, uh, avoid, you know, contact with people, you know, keep away. That's the, that's the thing, you've got to do that and wear your mask and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, if we end up at the Clock Tower Hotel, well, they'll have to be sitting down. That's the only rule, I think, that we'll be breaking. Mm. Uh, that's in uh, Grafton? That's in the Grafton. We'll go there for tea tonight with all our cash, Macca. <laughs> you hope. <laughs> that's uh, the plan. Yeah, that's the plan. It sounds like a good plan, Willie. Uh, so how long is that? Uh, where are you now? We're just heading, well, we've just passed the border. We're crossing the border and we're just into New South Wales now. All clear so far. Sky's opening up, nice and clear. Very sunny. Going to be a beautiful day. Will you have a, you and Scotty have a good day, mate? I hope you're very successful. Um, but it'll well, just, it's always a good day. Scotty wants to say a quick hello because he thinks Elvis is alive. <laughs> or he's Stand left. By. Or he's left the building. One of the two. Yeah. yeah. G'day, Macca. Scott here. G'day, Scotty. Yeah, you think he's uh, alive? Well, he is. I went and saw him last week at. Uh, down at the Redlands here in Brisbane. Oh, he right. performing. And what was his... He was fantastic. He's performing under the name of... <laughs> uh, Mark, um, oh, I forget his surname, but geez, he was bloody good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he was, he's, he's mimicking like you wouldn't believe. And it's so good because you think he's still alive and he had the live band. And, and he had all the moves? Singers. Had all the oh, moves? He's got all the moves. Uh, he doesn't even play the, the guitar, but he has the guitar like he plays it. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, Elvis was a bit like that. I mean, he could play, but he just yeah, it was just an, another prop he had around his because uh, he had the you know he had the he had the band from heaven really. <laughs> Elvis. Oh yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what this guy does as well. He so, uh, has the band as well that makes him look really good. But he can sing like him. I think he's won some uh, some prizes over there and. Uh, um, over where Elvis lives at Graceland, over there when they have competitions. Yeah. So he's uh, he's a pretty good pretty good impersonator, but um, he even had the big lamb chop sideburns and everything. He was right in, right in the position. The whole deal. Um, the and what, whole deal, Macca. What's his name again? Mark. Um, Mark something. Oh, God. Yeah, Mark. I forgot his bloody surname. He is so good. That doesn't matter. It was really, really fun. And uh, it was a good crowd. I think we uh, brought the average age down because we're in our 50s and... Everyone else was pretty uh, pretty mature. 
Yeah, he'll probably a good time. he'll probably end up at parks when they have their Elvis. There's a there's a few Elvis Presley um, carnivals or whatever you call them in Australia. Parks is the most famous one, but there's another one somewhere. I forget where it is, but it doesn't matter. But he'll probably he'll probably end up there. Yeah, yeah, he probably will, and he'll he'll probably win because he actually's one of the dudes that can actually sound like him, not like the old um, he's, deputy he... prime minister <laughs> or ex deputy prime minister. Remember him? Yeah, Mark, Michael McCormack. He yeah. was hilarious. <laughs> I, I never saw him do his bit. He was just, he was just um, taking him off, was he? Well, he's he's tubby. He's you know, he's on the tubby side. Listen, yeah. is um yeah is uh, is he Australian or American? Because from time to time you get an American um, Elvis yeah, impersonator no, this out. Yeah, guy's Australian. I think he's from maybe from Adelaide or something like that. Um, but he's but he does does the circuit. He gets around and obviously enjoying getting back doing his live shows because of all the. Uh, the restrictions over the time. Did he do Moody Blue? Did he do that one? Moody Blue. Oh, yeah, 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 he did that. He did, he, actually, he did the whole genre. So he started when he was young. Right. Then he sort of has a little break. And, and then he, he goes he, and gets into the different outfits, you know, for the, the different genres. He was really good. And he finished off with Way Down. Remember that one he did Way Down? I think that was the last, <laughs> I think that was the last song he did, actually. Ah, um, uh, yeah. Well, he yeah, sort of finishes off with that Hawaiian special, you know, the one that, they satellite and had about a billion people watch it in the day, 1967 or 1968 what, or 69, around what, that sort of what, time. Uh, Hawaii, the Golden Wedding, the Hawaiian Wedding Song, that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he, he, he's so good. He, I think he did um, just, just and, he, and he does little bits of it. He does like a, um, a medley sort of thing at the end, you know, with all all the sort of favourites, and everyone just loved it. It was so good. Not a dry, uh, not a dry. Mark Anthony, uh, I've remembered his name, Mark Anthony. <laughs> Mark Anthony. Well, it's a very famous name, but um, Mark Anthony. He's the bloke who stabbed uh, stabbed uh, Julius Caesar, wasn't he? Oh no, oh, no, that was Brutus. <laughs> no, Brutus. <laughs> Brutus. And Will wants to know if you want a tip for the races today, Macca. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Will wants to know if you want a tip for the races today. Oh, yes. Well, you're giving it yeah, to... Yeah, you're getting it. I'll, I'll put you on to Will because I'm trying to concentrate. And, All right. Uh, he'll, uh, he'll have a chat to you, Mac. It's great to... We're going to enjoy you for the next few hours we head down to Grafton. <laughs> okay, Love mate. listen to you. Good on you, Scotty. Thanks, mate. See you, Macca. Uh, Mate, I've got, I've got to stop him talking. He's all over the shop. He, Pick he, a lane, Scotty. Pick a lane, any lane. <laughs> and what's, what's your tip, Will? Mate, listen, it's a tip, and as you know... Yes, exactly. Only bet, only bet what you can afford to lose. Yeah, or don't bet at all. Yes, go on. <laughs> or don't bet at all. Bugger lugs, bugger lugs. What, uh, at Grafton today? State, Grafton, bugger lugs. Get on it. All right, mate. Good on you. Thanks, Will. It'll be, it'll be storming home for fourth, Magga. All right, this is for Scotty. See you, Will. See you, mate. See you, mate. G'day, Magga. G'day. This is Silvano Traverso, Gippsland Farmer. How are you, Silvano? Well, very happy, thank you. And um, travelling from Cadinia, which is uh, encompassed by Cranbourne, Berwick, Pakenham, Cooirup and Turridan. So yeah. people will know where that Cadinia is with the sea. Yeah. Not to be confused with the Cadinia Park with a K in Geelong. Yeah. <laughs> Or Cadinia Creek Reservoir up at Emerald. Yes, exactly. And uh, where, where are you travelling to? I'm I'm travelling to Merbu North because, um, as well as doing another little job in Merbu North, I'm also going to church at 10 a.m. Oh, there you go. 
What do you farm, Silvano? I am, uh, uh, well, I am the Mar- Italian Marimma Sheepdog Man of the southeast of Australia. The Guardian Dogs. <laughs> the Guardian Dogs. There you go. Yeah, as in the Oddball movie with Shane Jacobson. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and beef cattle and scrap metal. <laughs> <laughs> so, Silvano, um, you you travel to church at Merbourne North every every Sunday. I certainly do. Sometimes I'm already there because I have a property at Bulara South, which is 15 minutes east of um, of Merbourne North on the Grand Ridge Road. There you go. And your dogs, those dogs are in demand, are they? Very, very much in demand, especially with um, the way things are and we all put our hearts out to anyone that's suffering uh, during this invasion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're Marimma. Is that what they're called? Italian, the full name, they're known as Marimmas, M-A-R-R-E-M-A. Uh, they're known as Marimmas and the full name is Italian Marimma sheep dogs and like me they're Australian born Italians <laughs> <laughs> so mum and dad came out 70 years ago Macca to help uh, help uh, develop the country and grow a family and they certainly achieved both with, with honours <laughs> well that's good that's good and you you breed the marimas do you I, I certainly do Not, uh, you know I don't overflog them I mean I generally have about two bitches and um, they generally average about uh, one litre per year. So I'm, I'm really sort of having one or two litres per year. Um, you know, uh, dogs, canines, they cycle twice a year. Uh, I'm very happy with, like, skipping a cycle. Um, and I generally practice, uh, operate uh, uh, according to the RSPCA code of practice. There you go. Well, good on yeah, you, Silvana. Love, love the darlings. They're not normal dogs, mate. They're no. half between life. They're, they're a blend of, of between livestock and a very, uh, very introverted human. Um, they talk with their eyes like most dogs, but they're very different to most dogs. They're not a fetch-the-ball uh, type of dog. Uh-huh. Yeah, but well, when it comes to guarding you, your family, livestock and the property, it's the best insurance policy I could imagine. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you live? Did you say where do you live? Do you live? You don't live in Kadena, or you are? At Kadenia, I have the uh, family farm as we bought in uh, seventy-one, fifty years ago. I have the family farm at Kadenia, and I also have my own farm, my own personal farm at. Um, well, the family farm is my farm now through sorting things out. You know, sorting the estate out. Yeah. With the two darling sisters. <laughs> and where's that at? Uh, that's at Turidan Station Road, Cardinia. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, six kilometres north of Turidan. All right, Silvana. Well, nice to talk yeah. to you. Um, and uh, thanks for bringing us on the way to church and uh, getting things done. Cold out there this morning? It's beautiful, though. It's beautiful, my dear. And I'll tell you something. I, I and the congregation of 15 will be praying for everyone out there, including you, Macca. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good. Thanks, Silvana. I'm kidding. You're going to make a mention. Yeah, we need all the help we can get. Hey, besides our faith, what else have we got left these days? Exactly. It's all about what we believe in. Is that right? I think so. Good on you, Silvana. Everybody out there, cheer up and do the best you can. Make the best of the day. Good on you, mate. Bye-bye. See you, mate. Bye.
G'day, this is Macca. Yeah, Macca, it's Angus in Alice Springs. It's 10 degrees in the kitchen. How are you, Angus? <laughs> I'm good. That's good, mate. What's happening? Well, I've just driven in from Pukachet, which is a um, Pichinjara speaking Aboriginal mission. They used to call it Urnabella. Uh-huh. And down, in the, down in the Musgrave Ranges. And as I drove in, uh, must have been yesterday to do a little building job. It was for the old church. They built themselves in 1952. So very clever people. As I drove in, I thought of that word, Sam Neill's word in that uh, hunt for the wilder people, uh, majestical. I've never seen the hills looking so good on the way into the Musgrave Ranges. Um, I was taught to do stone walling by John Gardner, the artist brother at Pombonit in Western Victoria. He was called Stryker. Uh-huh. So they got they got me out there to do a little bit of repair work on one of the buttresses that had been hit by a car. And the stones or the blocks they'd made in 1952 were 16 kilos each, if you can imagine that. And the building must be seven meters high. Wow. So they did a great job. There are old, old photos of them building it. But um, that was the year I was born. So it's probably 68 years old, that church. But I left my left my petrol cap at Colbra on the way down. And on the way back, I just said, I'd better go and see if it's in there. And sure enough, there it was. They'd actually kept it at the front counter till <laughs> I got back. And that's how cool Australia is. That's that's why we live where we live. Exactly. Um, <laughs> the, so, getting You said those blocks. How did they get the blocks that was block and tackle or something like that? No, well, they had a series of um, uh, sort of gantries from the old photos, you know, platforms. So they'd be just lifting them one by one by one all the way up. And the colour was the same colour as the local hills, but the creek, and I had to use that sand as well, is a real chocolatey brown, like the sort of um, chocolate you get on a, a mud cake. It was almost almost black. So um, the hills, are, I guess they're granite, but they've all weathered in the... Um, they they would have lifted them up one by one. Very strong people. Yeah. Now, Angus, t- tell me this: it co- was called Ernabella. What's it called now? Well, they call it Pukacha, or they pronounce it Pukacha. But what got me was everyone knows them the, both the places as the one place. You know, it's they're very different names. But Ernabella was what it was called in the early days, mm. and they still call it Ernabella. But all the signs are Pukacha. I had a flat tire as I left yesterday and I stopped in at the Pukacha Roadhouse and I said, has anyone got any air? And they looked at me like just blank. And so I used the Pichinjara word, Walpa. And I said, Walpa Yalchi, where's the air? There's no, there's no air there. So I went in and lent, the fellow running it lent me a hand pump and I got it up to 30 pounds and that got me back to town, which is good enough for me. But <laughs> <laughs> one thing I noticed was, um, there weren't very many young men down there. And I know they all play footy. They were playing against Armata yesterday. But a lot of them and a lot of my friends are locked up in jail. Now, I talked to one of the nurses down there, the ear health nurse. And I said, well, when I gave a paper in Brisbane some years back, it was a deadly ears conference. A statistic came out that 95% of the people locked up in the jails, all indigenous, had hearing problems as kids. And the thing is, if you want to stop filling the jails, you have to fix people's ears at an early age. And it's just it's such a um, simple thing that no one would, you know, relate to. But it's the same thing with rotten teeth and you end up with a bad heart. There are all these connections that we really seem to not have discovered. Yeah, Angus, what's your story? Where do you, you always lived in Alice Springs? Now you moved there? Uh, well, my mum was from Melbourne. Met my dad um, 
sort of just after the war. He was from Amaru. And so he worked all over the world as an economist. And I moved up here when we sold the farm in Western Victoria at Leslie Manor on Lake Karangamite and bought the old warden's house. Well, it's what they call the jailhouse. It's on one of the main streets. So I've been living here um, probably the last 16 years and not quite an empty nester, but my daughter's just got a job in Brisbane. She's indigenous, a 19-year-old working down for um, Life Without Barriers. Mm. And she said, Dad, you can you can always come down and visit me. And the views from the balcony of one of the places, I thought, I'll go and paint there because I do a lot of painting now, landscapes and portraits and things. But uh, I went to University of Pennsylvania for two years in Philadelphia, then Melbourne Uni to finish architecture. Um, I said, I've been everywhere, I guess, but I love it here. <laughs> I, I love Alice. It's um, I just said to you, uh, manager i said it was 10 degrees in the kitchen when i called you but it got up to two more when i put two bits of toast in it raised the temperature <laughs> in the kitchen two degrees angus you mentioned that um you said people are in jail because they've got hearing problems i spoke to a uh, a lady oh, some months ago we were talking about dyslexia and she said sort of the same thing that that one of the you know many of the people that you find in prison uh, are there because they've been dyslexic and it causes problems in their young age and they end up in jail. Well, I think that's right. It's a good observation. The other thing I've noticed, I've had a lot to do with Aboriginal artists and a lot of them are left-handed. And you'll see when they're signing a painting, it's left-handed. And then you watch when they're doing the dots of work. And it's partly because they did not work well at school because they were left-handed. And they'd be sort of my age now. So they would have gone home, you know, not very happy, but helped out in their parents' um, artwork and then flourished on their own. The Jappel Jerry brothers who walked out in 1984, um, they come here probably every day from local tobacco. And they're pretty sure they're both left-handed. They're always painting. And um, that was Thomas Jappel Jerry or pensioner and his brother Wallala, who was collected by people all over the world. But I think they're both left-handed. And the funny thing about it is, they don't see themselves as being left-handed. And it's the same with the people with the hearing problem. They don't see themselves as having a problem, and that's where the problem is. <laughs> Angus, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and come to the Alice, although at the moment I think everybody from everywhere in Australia is banned, aren't they, to go into the Territory. But in, uh, is it in September for the Olive Pink uh, Opera? And uh, I think that's on in September. Oh. Yeah, and also don't forget the Art Mob, um, they get... Um, art from 34 different communities and it's up at Araluen and it, that is an absolutely majestical exhibition um, they have a art place at Ernabella, you know, down at Pukacha and just about every community they absolutely flourish with art and football so that's the two things in the old days used to be stock camp but now it's the art centres and people playing football it sort of helps them get out of their well, the humdrum of the boredom of being in a settlement, yeah. Well, I'll catch up with you and Alice if I get there, Angus. Good on you, mate. Nice to talk to you. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <whistles> Terry's on the Atherton Tablelands. Good morning, Terry. Morning, Macca. And it's freezing. Well, it's cold, yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking, I'm down at Walkerman, which is not quite up in the high country there, but looking over the range and it's misty rain mm. and we've got a bit of a breeze and it's cold. All yeah. right, yep. So cold for me, yeah. Well, well, you're up high there on the on the tablelands. You're up higher, so. Yeah, definitely higher, but it, it yes, can't... I've. A bloke rang me once and told me about the lemons on his tree freezing up around there um, years ago and he said they were so 
frozen. He said you could throw the lemons on the ground and they'd smash into pieces. There you go. So, <laughs> well, I've heard of not maybe not quite that bad, but I'm from Pemberton in Western Australia, where it is cold at the moment and raining a lot. So you know you sort of expect to be up here and have a bit of more well, warm weather. But what anyway, you, it has. It's been beautiful. Are you on the Wallaby? Are you? On the Wallaby, yeah, there's four women in three vehicles having a ball. We've done nearly 9,000 K and we're about to head west today, sort of heading for Corumba up in the Gulf. And what's and this? You, you, um, as my mate used to call himself, um, Ron Edwards in, in uh, Western Australia said he had a similar group of people. They weren't women, they were women and men, but he, they used to call themselves the, the thrill seekers. Um, you, <laughs> is, is, how long have you been on the road? Um, nearly six weeks. Wow. Yeah. And um, been up as far as Cooktown. Right. Was, and, and you thrill seekers just looking to have a good time and go and see places and all that sort of stuff? We are. We belong to a group back in Pemberton called the Wombats. <laughs> um, so we're four Wombats heading over here. That is women of mature beauty and talents. And, wow. and and amazing talents, I should say. Amazing yes, got to get talent. the amazing yeah, in. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so we're wombats, and yep. So we're um yeah just doing a road trip. We've got a dog. The two two women are in a small motorhome with the dog, and um, us other two are in our own vehicles. I'm sleeping in my Prado, so it's all good. Yeah, having a ball. Yes, I'll say. Except it's a little a uh, little fresh in um on the uh, tablelands this morning. Just a bit fresh this morning, a bit of a cool breeze. If it wasn't for the breeze, it'd be lovely, but, yeah, a bit cool, blowing off those hills where it's raining. Well, there's a lot of people who haven't got the opportunity, would love to be on the tablelands this morning, Terry, would love to be there. I just say people got to say, stop saying can't do it. They've got to get out and do it. Do it while you can still do it. That's the thing. When you can get yeah. over the borders. Certainly the people from Sydney can't go many places at the no, moment. But... No, and we sort of feel like we've had that, um, the closures, all of the COVID stuff hot on our heels, mm. but we're just hoping that there's no problem getting into the Northern Territory well, in I a think, few days. I think you will have troubles, actually. I, look, I don't know. I don't know, the, but I thought they'd banned, because they've had some problems. Look, don't take my word for it. I heard on the news something about, because I only half listened to the news because I'm doing other things here, but I think they there were some problems with mining Mining camps or somebody in yeah, a mining I heard camp. So something about that. Yeah. So anyway, we'll keep listening to the news and you'll find out whether you can go or not. But um, I we thought, might be stuck here. In oh, you're not stuck there. It'd be as I said, lots of people would love to be stuck there. You know, in uh, oh, it's, it's a beautiful part of the world. I'll it say. really, really is. Yeah. Good on you, Terry. It. Okay, thanks, Macca. See ya. Bye. Bye. Good morning, Macca. Hey, Macca. G'day. That's Willie, Willie and Glenn from, from Queensland, but we're working in the Pilbara. All right. How long since you've been home? Uh, mate, it's been six weeks, but we haven't been home much in the last 12 months. No, I'd guess not with border closures here and there and all that sort of thing. Yeah, mate. Yeah, we're working for Cuba on the FMG rail line. All right. Tell us, what's that entail? Uh, just uh, the iron ore. We're just... We're, we're in the earth moving game. We're building the railway line from the foundation. Uh-huh. So, and, uh huh. So yeah, we're both both in the workshop. So what is the what's the foundation? Is it that sort of that blue metal or something like that? Is it or is that what they lay down? No, nah, no. Nah, we cut the the hills out so they can put a, a level railway line through mm-hmm. all the 
all the hills here, yeah. So it's based on what's the base of your, your is it rock or it's dirt or ah uh, just dirt, dirt and rock, whatever we can get, yeah. Yeah, there you go. And so, how long you been out there? Who am I talking to now, William? Huh? Willie, am I? Yeah, Willie. Yeah. Um, how long you been out there, Willie? Um, I've been here since July last year, so yeah, nearly twelve months. And what about Glenn? Yeah, I've been here since January the year uh, last year, twenty twenty. Wow. So um, you enjoy it? You must do. I suppose it's a, jo- a job too, a well-paying job. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. is. Yeah. Yeah, we enjoy it over here. We have a good time. And lo- uh, lots of lots of uh, blokes and girls working over there. Yeah, yeah, heaps. Yes, we all live in a camp, so yeah, we we all hang out together. And what's camp life like? Yeah, not too bad, Macca. Yeah, yeah, good food, a few beers. I was talking to, I forget who I was talking to because I talked to a lot of people, but they said, um, oh, that's right, somebody emailed me and said, look, he'd just like to give a shout-out to the, the people who run, you know, the big companies over the mining companies because they, they, it was a chaplain, actually. He rang from, I think he rang from Caratha or somewhere, um, and he said, look, I uh, just wanted to give a shout-out to the people who who um, run the mining camps and stuff because they look after the workers really well, and that's obviously the case, I Will, Glenn. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a home away from home. Yeah, we've got to, they understand we do a job and they do a job and everyone, yeah, it's one process, I suppose. So where's your rail line going from and and to? So we started, uh, so we started the rail for their new mine, Alawana, which heads all the way out to uh, Solomon, I believe. And then eventually to Port Hedland. Oh wow! And so, how far along are you? Uh, I think we're four hundred k's from the coast. Gee, that'll take a while. Yeah, yeah, they're they in high demand at the moment. The the trains go every day of the week, so yeah, there's big demand for it. Yeah. So, what are you building an extra line, or this is a new line, totally new line? Uh it's just the the last little bit of it going to the actual mine itself. So, the last fifty kilometres of it. All right. So, and what will you do then when when that fin do you stay there? Is there more work for you, or do you move on? You you work all over, uh, Glenn. Hopefully, mate. Yeah, we're still. Um, Cubo's doing a bit more work for uh, Kadaya Dairy, a new site, a new Rio site at the moment. Um, and then, yeah, we'll hopefully pick up some more work. Yeah, well, good on you, and nice to talk to you this morning. Um, you, I suppose it's cooled down a bit over there, has it? A bit. Yeah, yes, not as cold as Queensland, but yes, it's cold enough for us Queenslanders. <laughs> so you've got a big football match on tonight, haven't you? <laughs> oh yeah, mate. Yeah, she's on, all right. So will you all watch that in the in the room, or you, I mean, you might be on shift, are you? Yeah, we are. The boys will be down the bar tonight to watch the Queenslanders get up. Yeah, uh, well, there be. Uh, I suppose there's New South Welshman, Wales, uh, New South Welshman there as well. Yeah, there certainly is. Yeah, yep. There's some cockroaches there, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> I can't get um, too worked up about it anymore. Uh, it's, um, yeah. But anyway, good luck, William and Glenn, and nice to talk to you this morning, boys. Yeah, you, you too, Maka. Yeah, can I just have a shout-out to everyone from Canungra in yep. Queensland? Yep. Yeah, been a long-time listener, mate. First-time caller. Yep, love your show, mate. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Glenn. See you, mate. See, See you, Bye. 
from our rowing correspondent and sometime veterinary correspondent, Mark Campbell. One thing that made me sit down to write was the story on General Holmes. What a great bloke. I actually love the fact that we'd almost forgotten him, but we still reference his name nearly every day thanks to General Holmes Drive. It seems appropriate that we use the name of a great Australian achiever without knowing quite why, but it's even better when we find to our surprise that General Holmes was a real man who made a great contribution in World War I and to be reminded that sometimes, and not only in war, your number just comes up. For me, it was another good reminder that we're here for a good time, not a long time, and we all get a chance to make a contribution somewhere along the line. No doubt Monash was a great guy too, but how much better to suddenly find out he wasn't the only outstanding general we produced. The power of radio comes through yet again. Ian, you often talk about your love of weeding and bush regeneration. For me, it's not just that it's satisfying to clean up some weeds. It's the wonderful exercise I get as I do it. I carry a shovel, some weeding gloves and a branch cutter wherever I go and often at the most random place and time I'll find I have 20 minutes to destroy a patch of lantana, bidu bush, asparagus fern, farmer's friend or whatever. More often than it should, the 20 minutes stretches to 30 or even an hour and I find I'm drenched in sweat and covered in dust and mud. But crikey, I feel good. And to look back and see the trail of dead weeds is incredibly satisfying and it's even better to go back occasionally and see the regrowth of good Australian native plants and the birds and insects feeding on their flowers. For some reason I never see a single bee feeding on a lantana flower. Maybe some botanical expert can ring in and tell us if that's a fact. What I do know is that you see thousands on the native plants. There's no doubt it's not generally accepted rational behaviour, the weeding that is. It's probably crazy in many people's views, but as Socrates said, no one is admitted to the temple without a touch of madness in their soul. As a suggestion for listeners, why not set a target of pulling out a few weeds every day? Whether they're waist-high or a lantana monster covering 10 square metres really doesn't matter. They're ruining large tracts of our beautiful bushland and the results of a few minutes' labour are endlessly satisfying. The main reason I wrote was that we lost our grandma, Jill's mum, Margaret, a few weeks back on the 26th of May. Margaret was raised in Tamworth, the only child of a doctor and a nurse who had worked together in the field hospitals of World War One. She topped the state in geography in the old leaving certificate in 43 or 44 before marrying Jill's father, Owen, and moving to a far less comfortable life 25 miles from Gunnedah in 1950. Like the home in Lawson's classic, The Drover's Wife, the floor was just six inches off the dirt below and snakes were common visitors until they built a new home one kilometre closer to home. And that's pronounced kilometre, as the Greeks did. And she was taught, weren't we all for a while, says Mark. (laughs) Margaret lived a wonderful, interesting and satisfying life on the beautiful Liverpool plains for 94 years, so there's no regrets. She raised four outstanding children who've travelled the world, made their own contributions in agriculture, engineering and education. One even went to an Olympic Games. The only sad thing has been the isolation of the past 12 or 15 months, as her children or grandchildren couldn't visit her nursing home at all, or only with strict limitations. Like so many others, that isolation of COVID was bitter. A telephone without a separate handset has never been a telephone for Margaret anyway. Not sure it is for me most of the time, and handling a mobile phone was very difficult. One thing that kept her connected to the outside world was your show on a Sunday. 
She heard stories from people she could relate to from all over Australia. Occasionally, she even heard the rowing correspondent and later reminded him to talk more slowly. (laughs) That sounds like my mum. Those stories kept her connected to the world she knew and loved. I know that they do that for many thousands of us every week. We might drift in and out of the show when work or other commitments get in the way, but we always get back to catch some interesting bit of news or an Aussie having a crack at something challenging or somewhere off the beaten track. As you wrapped up last week, Ian, you again mentioned how occasionally you'll arrive at work in the morning on Sunday morning feeling a bit meh, as my kids say, and then after hearing from a few listeners, listeners with a great attitude, suddenly you're full of beans and enjoying the day. It really struck a chord for me. At least one day a week in my vet practice, I'll be a bit flat and wondering what the day will bring. And after the first three clients, I'm thinking how great the human race is. There's a lot of great people out there. Now we just have to beat this dopey virus. Let's all get vaccinated so we can start ringing from somewhere a bit more exotic again. All the best, Mark Campbell. Mark's our rowing correspondent and, as I said, our sometime vet correspondent. Good morning, Shane. Yeah, Mark, how are you going? Yeah, I'm good, mate. So I uh, just thought to give you a call. We don't hear uh, many calls from the West, but... Uh Probably a little bit un- unusual in the sense that I am uh, about to head uh, east across the Nullarbor. I'm driving to Victoria and I'm going to live in the mountains for a couple of months here at uh, Mount Beauty and I'm going to compete in a cross-country ski marathon. Wow. Um, I'd love yeah. to do that, but I'm not a skier. Shane, tell me, uh, is that your is that your um, passion, is it? Yeah, absolutely. It is my passion. I got into it when I was living in Melbourne. I lived in Melbourne for 10 years and uh, and uh, really enjoyed it. And just loved being in the mountains and in the snow and the high country. It's, it's pretty special up there. And then I moved back to WA um, and that's a long way from the snow. So I've been going back uh, every year and uh, and this year uh, I'm training for what's called the Kangaroo Hoppet, uh, which is the, the, the actual ski marathon. It's at the end of August. The Kangaroo Hop. And, where, and where's that held? Yeah, it's a Kangaroo Hop, hop it, um, and it's held at Falls Creek at the end of August. And it's uh, yeah, a 42-kilometre event, and you can uh, either do it... Uh, they have two different styles of uh, cross-country skiing. There's the classic style, which is the sort of train tracks, and then there's also a skate style as well, which is uh, you know like ice skating but on skis. Wow. Now, you said hop. Kangaroo hop or hop it? Yeah, hop it. Hop it. Right. Yeah, I thought you said hop it. Yep. Um, and you've, Actually, you've been in this oh, before? On. You've been in this before? Yeah, I, uh, I, did, the full, uh, I did the full marathon uh, back in 2019. Uh, and I was keen to do it last year, but it got caught off virtual. Yeah, he's gone. You get you, you dropping out, Shaney boy. You'd have to stop the car or something because it's uh, you you're falling out, falling away, mate. But it's been a good uh, good falls of snow over there. Well, I've had some uh, early snow at the start of June, uh, and then uh, it's uh, they had a lot of rain over the last couple of days, unfortunately, Matt. So they've lost a lot of the cover. Yeah, well, let's hope they get some more by the time you get there. When will you get there, Shane? A couple of days. Yeah, probably three days to to, to drive there. But, uh, yeah, the, the I mean the cover is always inconsistent this time of year, and they need a 
a good snowfall and um, and obviously the the, the the downhill skiing is uh, impacted by that as well. So, but the, the people from Melbourne are allowed to go now, uh, uh, which is fantastic for the uh, ski resorts. A lady rang me. Uh, she didn't. We talked to her when we were up in the Bunyan Mountains, and she said the lovely thing she liked to do was walk in the fog because the whole of the outside world was away from her. She was surrounded by fog, and she just walked through the fog. It was a bit wet and drippy, but she said you could lose yourself, and the outside world just sort of disappeared and evaporated. And I reckon being out there in in the middle of the mountains on your own cross country skiing, it'd be a bit like that, Shane. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a pretty unique sport because you can, um, you know, you get out there. It, it's it's a pretty niche sport in Australia, but it's a pretty pretty, um, you know, sort of really friendly community. And when you're there, you're a long way from the resort itself, and it's free, Macca. So uh, once you pay for your entry into the, the you know, the, the mountain, the uh, national park, it's um, the actual skiing is is free. So that's um, it's pretty easy on the pocket too. Well, Shane, you give us a ring uh, maybe next Sunday and tell us how it all goes. Will you still be there next Sunday? Yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll be up there and hopefully there'll be some snow and we'll, I'll have had a, a few days on the snow. Good on you. Give us a ring next week, okay? Will do. G'day, this is Macca. Oh, g'day, Macca. It's uh, Stuart Roach. I uh, called you uh, when I was about 7,000 k's away on the way to Shanghai uh, back in November. I remember, Stuart, you were doing freight. You were taking, um, um, don't tell me, oysters, not oysters, um, something, um, sam- salmon or something. Up salmon, to- yeah, salmon and uh, asparagus. Asparagus, that's right. Yeah. And I thought, what a good meal. Especially when you it's half past nine on a Sunday morning, you haven't eaten for, well, you know, 24 hours. Um, yeah, what's happening, Stuart? Well, I'm uh, out at Sydney Airport. I was meant to be taking passengers across to uh, Auckland today, but uh, they changed the flight number and... Uh, we just can't cross empty and uh, bring people back. I see. Uh, this afternoon and evening. So uh, it's uh, sort of thrown the spanner in the works of lockdown, but, uh, you know, apparently necessary. Yeah, it's really interesting, Stuart, too, isn't it? You hear that um, uh, I think a flight crew member is, uh, on a Virgin flight had, you know, had was positive for COVID the other day and then there's a passenger gets off. How do you feel being up the front there, um, being the driver, Um are you always conscious of, you know, catching something, you know? Oh, we're, uh, look, for the international cruise then, we're uh, classified as 1A, which means we're uh, all vaccinated by now. So mm. uh, the vaccine I had was the Pfizer vaccine, mm. and uh, I had no side effects, but uh, I've also got friends that had the AstraZeneca, and they had a good run with it too. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fairly confident with it. It's, uh, it's It seems to be working, the vaccine, so... Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, you know, I take a lot of precautions, that sort of thing. But we, uh, we, uh, we're we're all protected in that respect. Yeah, and you're in your little room up the front with the door locked most of the time. Yeah, well, we have to have the mask off. So I'm just sort of racing to the gate because the park is right down the other end here. All right. But, uh, we don't have anyone on board, but uh, yeah, look, it's running. It's kind of in the works. I've uh, I heard uh, Stu call up uh, earlier. I've heard Timmy call you a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, the flying. Uh, our domestic crews, uh, they're all stood up uh, for uh, the guys in the 330, ever say 330 like I am. Mm. Uh, I've done uh, five months' work since uh, last March. And uh, the guys in the four engine are playing the, the jumbo there, being retrained to fly the other aircraft. And they're also um, 
uh, you know, they haven't worked for about 12 months. So, uh, you know, they've taken on secondary employment or, uh, you know, doing a whole heap of different things. So, well, I suppose uh, you want to you, try and get them flying again. Yeah, you've got to, haven't you? You know, they're paying off houses and cars or whatever they're doing. and um... that's, that's right, yeah. So, uh, look, in the United States at the moment, we have colleagues over there that we uh, speak with. They're, uh, they're back to full uh, work again. You know, I, I don't know what the, uh, the answer to it is. I think we've probably just got to uh, get used to living with this, uh, with this thing. There doesn't seem to be any end of it. Uh, no, it doesn't. Moment. And, Stuart, it seems to change, you know, you just, uh, I suppose because I'm on topic because <coughs> I work in the media, but there seems to be a new story every other day and, and not just, you know, um, we, we just fill our, our news bulletins with it. And uh, I guess, you know, it's all new to us in, in lots of ways. It's only been around for a year and a bit for us, but... I suspect, in you're right. It'll just continue on, and we'll just learn to adapt and adapt and adapt. Um, but um, it's it's when you think about it. I mean, I don't worry about it because you know I have a cup of tea. You can't worry about these things because there's not much we can do about it. Just look after yourself and look after your your friends and family and hope for the best. That's all you can do. But it's quite interesting to look at it dispassionately and and see even all the information you're given at the start because the medical authorities, although they're medical and they they know stuff. There's a lot of things that are new to them every day too, you know. They, you know it, yeah, I, I think the, uh, you know, the 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 virus seems to be uh, mutating into a, sort of a little bit uh, more contagious, which is probably a concern. Yes. But, uh, you know, I don't know what the, uh, you know, the, uh, the the facts of how many people are adversely affected. It it seems that you know half the people, uh, it's just like a cold to them, and then. Uh, uh, a small amount of people, it's it's very serious, you know, it can result in death. So I suppose it's, you know, it's something that we've got to be very careful of. Yeah, and some long-term implications too. I read something from Ansto the other day, the uh, new nuclear science and technology, some information there that they're uh, researching long-term effects and lung effects and things like that. So you don't want to get it, but um, and the best no. thing to do is keep away from people if you can, if you can, keep away from other people and... And just yeah, be careful about what you yeah. do, which I suppose we should all do all the time. I mean, we should have done it all the time. I was always on that about flu too. When people had the flu, you wanted to keep right away from them. So yeah, yeah all those sort of well, things. Well, well, some countries uh, that I've been going to for years, uh, you know, Japan uh, particularly, people uh, if they've got a, an infection, a flu or a cold or something, they they just uh, it's it's just a, a social habit. They wear a mask. Yeah, they wear you know, a that's mask to protect other people from it, and uh, you know they seem to get along. We can't stay isolated forever, though, uh, Ian. We no. need to, uh, we need to, uh, you know, open back up to the world. We, we can't remain like this forever. It, uh, it, uh, the bubble was working quite well. I, I did the second day over there, and there was a, some sort of drum. One of the cleaners over there had, had the virus, but uh, the loads are starting to pick up. And the patches I did probably the last normal service on Tuesday, and uh, we were full both ways. And it's the start of school holidays, so I know a lot of, yeah, a lot of people had uh, holidays planned over to New Zealand, and really. You know the Kiwis and the Australians. Uh, although there's some adversarial behaviour with sport, we, uh, we we're, <laughs> we're fairly close. You know, we are. We're very very similar. We we um, we had friends who were. I think they might have been on your flight. We're going to New Zealand this week, but uh, yeah, that's yeah. not. Well, that's I did last one on Tuesday, and uh, and Auckland was just beautiful. It was like a postcard. It was uh, uh, one thing about uh, New Zealand. It's very green compared to Australia. We fly over it, and uh, we fly over the city, and then. Back in towards the southwest, it's a really pretty uh, place. But, so, uh, today, not so much. It's uh, it's windy and uh, wet today, so uh, 
Yeah, Stuart, you're uh, so you're flying over empty. When do you leave? Soon and and coming. Oh yeah, ten thirty. So I just put the crew all together here, yeah, and, and I'll jump in. I rang uh, Kelly uh, earlier. I just thought, look, I'll give you a bell. The reason I rang last time was it was our uh, our hundred years. Uh, the, that's right. The following yeah. day, so I thought, look, I'd, I'd say good day because there wasn't too many airplanes in the sky. And uh, look, we're still out there flying, doing what we can. We internationally, we're still taking freight up to Bangkok, uh, Hong Kong, and uh, uh, well, else? Uh, Tokyo. And, uh, you know, so this, there's still a bit of work uh, going on there internationally, but uh, it's, it's certainly a big difference to how it was, uh, you know, 18 months ago. Yes, and we'll just have to see, as you say, Stuart, it changes, you know, it just keeps changing and evolving. We'll learn to have to, have yeah. to learn to live with it. And, and, and well, ho- hopefully we do, and, and we can all go back to full time. That'll be good. Yeah, yeah. I'll say. And, and uh, yeah, don't worry. There's, you know, I think there's a lot of mental health issues around these sort of things that people don't know much about. I don't think anybody, you know, even the, as I said, even the medical people are surprised by what's happened. And, you know, we were told yeah. at the start, I think, you know, it stays on surfaces for two weeks. And, but now the main thing is that this is an airborne disease. That's, uh, that's the, yeah. that's the big problem. Well, so, well for our, uh, our junior pilots, our second officers, they, uh, they spend most of their time just doing international flying there, uh, in-flight relief, uh, and they, uh, because they're only doing international, they've basically spent 15 months uh, in a form of quarantine. So we're lucky we've been able to quarantine at home, but it's still, uh, you know, being under house arrest for over 12 months, you know, I realise is some of our guys don't have a job at all, which is even worse. But, uh, you know, it, it probably does have an effect on them uh, as far as mental health goes. Stuart, good luck, mate. And uh, Yeah, all right. And no, ca- I'll wave to you as I go past. <laughs> no donuts. All right. <laughs> I'll throw a dunny roll out. Apparently they're in demand. <laughs> they are. They are. Mate, you can see people wandering down the streets of Sydney with two rolls, un- not two rolls, two two packs. You buy it by the pack. Yeah. Well, I've, I've seen punch-ups at supermarkets, you know. That must be... Uh, <laughs> I, it, I've been involved in punch-ups, but not over dunny rolls. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Stuart. Good on you. Thanks, Dean, and uh, thanks for taking the call. It's a pleasure, mate. Good on you. Bye. Good on you. Bye-bye. Bye. Is this uh, for me? Yeah. I'm Felicia Mecca. Oh, hello, Felicia. <laughs> nice, nice talking. Oh, funny. You make my day. I'm so pleased. And I love this song I was listening about the <laughs> toilet pipe. I was good to go. Uh, anyway, Me- uh, Mecca, I did uh, try to call you before. Mm-hmm. I wrote the beautiful poem, All Gone, and you uh, read it. You sent me lovely uh, cut. Thank you with the gumbos. Oh. But today, with all this virus back to our life, I would love to play my mandolin because I think mandolin music is beautiful. It is beautiful, please. Music, if you worry, if you have any problems, go to music. Exactly. I left. I left it's... my. I lost my husband last year, and that's all I have left now is my garden and my music. Oh, exactly. Well, you. you uh, I'd love to hear you play the mandolin, uh, Felicia. Yeah. Can I play now? Yes. Okay. Go, yeah, go for it. Yep. You listen. Who's going to hold the phone? Are you going to put it yep. on the... I just put it here. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Never on Sunday.
that was lovely, Felicia. Never on Sunday. What a lovely tune. Yes, it is. And I, I work with the children, preschool children, for 20 years, and I play all the children's songs, of, of course. When my grandchildren were little, I played the grown-up. But I do occasionally go to preschools and uh, have fun with uh, children. I love children. You've been playing the mandolin all your life, Felicia, since you were um, since little? Quite. I, lo- I started learning with my friend's uh, son. Uh, didn't uh, want any more. And my friend said, oh, I don't know what to do. And I said, look, give to me and I see what I can do. And I learn. And I play by ear. I, don't, I, I can lead, read music. Yeah. But uh, all the songs, every day I play, twice at least twice a day. And from I to Z, I just, whatever comes to mind, I just play. If I know the song, I can play. And uh, like I said, I love music, especially when I'm by myself. I have big garden to do. I love gardening and music. They're my two best friends now. Well, well, I think, you know, people have said this about this time we live in now. The best things you can do is is commune with your nature, if you can, and a bit of music. That's why I played that song earlier this morning called, called Knock Three Times. I just love it. I just, I've got bad knees, but I just zip Yeah, the... I was listening to this music oh, that it's a, it's... you play. That was beautiful. The... Yeah, music. Back to my times. Yeah. It's... <laughs> that was beautiful. Felicia, and tell... I don't know if you remember, you up, uh, you're supposed to write. I, I wrote because you said now uh, all gone. That's my... Uh, uh, writing what I wrote, I, I name all gone, and I said it is true, it's all gone now. But because my husband gone and with the virus and but everything, it's just but gone. You, you've got your garden and you've got your mando. Listen, tell me, when did you come to Australia, Felicia? Oh, I come to Australia a long time ago in uh, 66, 1966, there as a go. teacher. Oh. I was a teacher. I yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I work all my life here, and I love Australia. But, now, like I said, you make the best way you can. Yeah, exactly. And it's not easy, but, like I said, and I love my husband. We, every Sunday, we travel with a caravan for a long time, too, and we listen to your program every Sunday, doesn't matter what. We saw you in Richmond. We went to the concert. You oh, had, right, yes. And in Bankstown Sports Club. Oh, that's right, yes. That was beautiful. Yeah, with Cole the, Joy. We were with Cole Joy at Bankstown, weren't we? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, right, That's yeah. right. That was really beautiful. And like I said, uh, music, music and music. Music makes find. the world go round, Felicia. And lovely to talk to you. And um, I'll, I'll get to see you again. We're going to Richmond again at the end of the year, so I might see you yeah, there. Yeah, I try. I try to bring, see you there then. Bring your mando. Bring your mandolin. Bring yeah, your mandolin. I will. I will. We'll have a jam because session. I, I take my mandolin now uh, practically everywhere and I come now. But a lot of places in the preschool now, they, like me, I have clearance working with the children, which is no problem. Yeah. And Good on you. children love. Yeah. Good on you. Nice to talk Thank to you. you. Thank you for listening, and you make my day. <laughs> you make mine too. Bye bye. Thanks, Felicia. Bye. bye. Um, my name's Patricia Ingle from The Rock, New South Wales. Oh, Patricia, we were just talking about The Rock uh, before. Last week we talked about The Rock. My mate Purse was down near The Rock. Um, and we've flown around the rock. We flew around the rock in a helicopter. So there you go. What are you doing, Patricia? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we're trying to um, – I'm part of the Rock Show Society and we're trying to save our um, 1953 built by the members of the Show Society from um, 52 Cypress Pole, pole 
um, pine um, logs and it's got a tin roof and everything else. And of course, um, it was, what? it's been our livestock pavilion and our council. So it's your pavilion, right? Your show pavilion. Yeah. It's you... our, well, no, it's our livestock pavilion. All right. And you're trying it's to. Where we, where we put our sheep and everything else like that. Our and sheep you're trying to save it. Why for? What? It's got white ants or <laughs> they want to pull it down uh, or what? Well, uh, our local Shire Council, like our oh, Shire dear. Council, yeah. have built an observatory right next to it and of course um to them it's in the way and they want to put um parking and garden next to the observatory so our shed is in the way so we've been trying to contact them and talk to them but they um and we were going to apply for a um crown land grant to have some money to fix it and um, restore it because it does need some repair but if we were allowed to apply for the grant, then we would have probably been able to do it because we've had two builders tell us that it can be done. We can save it and we can make it um, safe again for use. But our council would not support, on Friday, our council would not support our application this is the to Lock- apply for a grant. This is the Lockhart Council, is it? Yes. Yeah. See, see, it's always amazing to me, Patricia, that when something like this is built near what you've got, your pavilion... That no, was going. Nobody's consulted. I mean, and and you're right. And you're or right. they or they say, well, you know, what do you think about your? Sh-? And you say, well, look, it's lovely, and we'd like to keep it, but it needs some work. But that never happens. It's always a fait accompli, and then people. I've, I've had millions of examples of that where people, and we can't turn ourselves into a program where we're writing wrongs or trying to. But no, but no, it seems don't. to me that people, they never, never consult, and they, if they do consult, it's. Um, it's in something where where they've already planned to do it, and um, they're just consulting you. But we, we've already the plans are already in place, or it's usually a bloody fait accompli. Um, I don't know. I can't see anything, and I don't know the position or the of the observatory or whatever. But it seems to me, yeah, again, something. Yeah, no con- consultation, and this is the year and now when that should happen for something like this. But anyway, Um, yeah, it's our only historic building on the showground, and it is definitely worthy of preservation and protection. Mm. Except that um, they did not even show us the DA. They didn't give us a chance to make a comment, and we could have asked them to build it in a different position, and we wouldn't have been making a fuss like we are now. Exactly. However. They didn't talk to us at no. the right planning time, which is very, very sad. Very well, it's 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 more than sad. It is sad, but it's also um, disrespectful. I think, uh, Patricia, disrespectful. I agree. Mm. I agree. And uh, my mum, whose birthday it would have been today, died a year ago, and um, she was a lifetime member of the show society. And my dad helped build the gates for the livestock pavilion mm. and. Um, other members have actually spent a lot of time building it uh, uh, back uh, in the day, uh, and it's just all—they just—they just don't respect history, and it's very, very, very sad. If my um, my mate um, Ray Parkin, well, he wasn't really a mate, but uh, uh, he was a lovely bloke. Um, Ray Parkin was uh, a midshipman on the on the Perth, which was sunk in the Sunda Straits in '42, I think. Uh, lovely bloke, uh, clever bloke. You know, just a everyday midshipman on the Perth, but a very clever bloke. And he used to um, he used to send Christmas cards out every year. And in uh, 1970, he said, what will I send this year? And he says, I know what I'll do. He said, I'll send a picture of 
because he, he could draw really well. He said, I'll, I'll draw my little um, a picture of the Endeavour, uh, Captain Cook, um, who's, you know, back then he's sailing up the coast right about now in this time of the year. And um, he said, I'll send a picture of the Endeavour. And then he went around looking for a picture of the Endeavour and um, he couldn't find one. So he went to work and researched the whole thing for years and years and then put out a book with pictures and all the information so you could build the Endeavour from his book and also Cook's and other and Banks's journal. But he said to me, he said, Ian, he said, if you forget your past, which is what you're talking about, Patricia, yes, if, if yes. you forget your past, you've got Alzheimer's. There is no reason to forget your past. Um, it should be included in the present and in the future. So, look, you that's keep it. us in touch, Patricia, and let me know what happened. But as I say... Well, uh, they've actually given us until Wednesday to make up our mind whether we want it all gone or half of it left or um, just to keep the bits. Good on you. Good luck, Patricia. Nice to talk to you. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.